We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Tuesday, May 2nd, and we are here to discuss and cover the the commitment of Micah Gilbert, a North Carolina wide receiver from Charlotte Christian, who is getting ready to decide between Notre Dame and Michigan, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Duke, Pitt, and South Carolina. So uh, he's going to be announcing right now, so we're going to we're going to kind of um, announce it as soon as he announces it, and then we're going to dive into it. So right now he's uh, thanking his family and all that. We're not going to carry the stream because it's on another YouTube channel, and uh, I want to get into some of those issues. But uh, he's uh, going through all that. So we'll have his decision here momentarily, Ryan. But, uh, yeah, it's another Notre Dame-Michigan battle, which has uh, been, been very interesting through this whole process. Notre, Notre no Dame over the last couple of years has won a lot of those battles too, man. So it's, a, it's yeah. another one to hopefully hopefully yeah. get excited about here moving forward, man. He's yeah. a really talented wide receiver, obviously, in the 2024 class out of Charlotte Christian. And Notre Dame just got a commitment from Bryce Young, who was his high school teammates over the weekend. So And here, and here it comes. Micah Gilbert has committed to the University of Notre Dame in an expected move, Ryan. So Notre Dame gets a win over Michigan. Let's talk about what this means for Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so this one is is big, folks. We, we talked about over the last couple of weeks that we have gotten as a – as the staff, as just media, as the fans' perspective – you got a lot of perspective and I think clarity on what the wide receiver board for Notre Dame really truly looks like. You know, there was a lot of talented guys obviously on the board that we've talked about now for months, guys like Ryan Wingo, Jeremiah McClellan, Josiah Brown, deep, deep roots of great talent, obviously in the wide receiver group. But over the last couple of weeks now, you're talking about getting a commitment from Isaiah Canyon very recently. And now you get a commitment from Mike Gilbert, who, was a player that and we'll talk about obviously a lot of the backstory, Brian, but this was one that did look uncertain for some time for Notre Dame, but he brings a big body presence, 
physical. And Notre Dame continues the momentum in the state of North Carolina, which they've had a lot of success, obviously, over the last couple of years, including Sullivan Absher, Sam Pendleton last year. Now they have Bryce Young and Micah Gilbert, both from Charlotte Christian High School in the state of North Carolina as well. So Notre Dame continues the momentum in North Carolina. We're now up to three wide receiver commits in the 2023 class, which uh, 2024 class, excuse me. So Notre Dame obviously is riding a lot of momentum at wide receiver under Chancey Stuckey. Well, it's not even um, it's not even North Carolina, Ryan. I mean, let's get a little bit more uh, a little bit more fine tuned in our analysis here. Uh, this is a this is the third commitment from Charlotte, North Carolina. All three of the North Carolina commits, obviously Jack Larson being from Charlotte Catholic, and then uh, Bryce Young and and uh, Micah Gilbert being from from Charlotte Christian. So let's dive a little bit into into kind of where this came from, Ryan. As you mentioned, there was a very interesting backstory. We talked, I don't know, maybe a month or so ago, and we were kind of going over the receiver board. And you and I were talking about Micah Gilbert, and I said, I love this kid, but I just don't think Notre Dame's, you know, got a really, a, a, you know, they're, they're in it, they're battling, but in a, it, it just didn't seem like it was going to be a guy they were going to get. And at the time when we would talk to our sources, it would, it was always, we love Micah Gilbert. It's just can't convince him to come visit. And it, you know, he would express interest in Notre Dame and say all the right things, but it just being able to work out a time to get him on campus was, was a challenge. Well, a couple things really helped Notre Dame with that. Well, really several things helped Notre Dame with that. So one of the things was obviously this is a young man from a, has a great football pedigree, his older brother, Mark Gilbert, Jr., uh, it was a out, Ryan. You and I have talked about this. He was an outstanding DB at Duke, and if he doesn't get injured, he's he's in the NFL still. But he's probably a player in the NFL. He was an outstanding yep. DB when he was younger. He is the uh, nephew of Sean Gilbert, who was an NFL, a very high NFL draft pick out of Pitt, and his cousin is Darrell Revis, who also went to Pitt. So the thought was, well, you know, that's why Pitt's in there, and it should help Pitt a little bit. His dad played at Duquesne, uh, played basketball at Duquesne, which uh, is a place I'm very familiar with. And but what come to find out, the Rivas connection actually helped Notre Dame a little bit because Daryl Rivas and Chancey Stuckey were drafted by the Jets the same year, and they were teammates for three seasons. And so they've they're, they're, they still know each other. And then the other thing that helped Notre Dame was the Bryce Young commitment. So Bryce Young, from talking to sources, played a big role in convincing Micah Gilbert just take a visit, just go see it, just go visit. And then Marcus Freeman made this one a, a, a priority of his as well. So this was like you were getting it from all angles. It was, it was, it was Chancey Stuckey. It was obviously Chad Bowden, and and but Marcus Freeman called this kid every week, just to connect with him, just to remind him how much Notre Dame liked him and how much they wanted him. So they were able to convince him to just come on the visit. And at the time, it was we were told it Michigan was the team that everybody thought he was that was going to get him. It looked like Michigan was going to be the pick. And he comes on the visit, and Notre Dame was basically going into it. Was like, hey, we're just going to put our best foot forward and see what we can do. By the end of the, by the end of not even before the game started on Saturday, the blue gold game started. We were told this is going to happen. This kid's going to commit to Notre Dame, and so they made a, a, a tremendous impact. And it was a combination of factors. It was just the building relationship over time. It was with Coach Stuckey, with Coach Freeman. It was just the persistence, and it was he was a great fit. And we talk about Notre Dame kid. This is a Notre Dame kid, right? His older brother played at Duke. This is a family that understands there's a lot of value to both aspects of college life, athletics and academics, clearly. 
And so when you looked at it, it was like you just knew like if the kid visits, he's going to like Notre Dame. But it was like within less than like 12 hours and it was done, Ryan. It was a done deal. And another part that you had mentioned, Ryan, I'll let you share a little bit about this was when you talk to the commits, yep. they will tell you exactly the same thing. It was instantaneous. The connection between the commits was like instantaneous. And that played a huge role from people that I've talked to. Yeah, and I, I think there's a lot of layers, obviously, that that made this fit make a lot of sense, Brian. You know, even before getting into that, I mean, we mentioned it already. There is northern roots here. I mean, his dad literally played basketball in Pittsburgh. He had an uncle and a cousin that both played at the University of Pittsburgh. And then the academic piece, right? Like he's a 3.8 GPA kid. His brother play, played at Duke. Obviously, he's a tremendous – comes from a tremendous academic family as well. But, yeah, I mean, as soon as you – because I was on campus that weekend, obviously for the blue and gold game. And, and I remember I was talking to a couple of the commits in the class and, you know, I, I know that they're comfortable with me sharing this, but I was talking to Cam Williams. I was talking to Carson Hobbs and they were raving about my, their, in, their connection with Micah Gilbert. He was one of the guys that they really talked about and said, like, you didn't have to force a conversation, right? Like you didn't have to pretend that you had stuff in common. You didn't have to kind of play the part, right? It was an easy conversation and it was an easy vibe that they had together. So having that connection instantly, I think that that's what really helped to seal this deal, you know, because you knew that if you got Michael Gilbert to campus, and I know Notre Dame believed this, that things could change pretty quickly. It potentially could because he's a high academic kid. He has the Northern roots. He values tremendously in his recruitment a lot of what Notre Dame can pitch. It was just about getting him on campus and building those connections on a deeper, more personal level. And the commits on campus, like you, ha you have to give Chancey Stuckey a lot of credit for this one. You mentioned Marcus Freeman. You have to give, you know, obviously the offensive staff in general a, a big pat on the back for this one. You also have to give an assist to this offensive offensive recruiting class in 2024, the C.J. Cars, the Cam Williams <laughs> – the Jack Larsons, those guys that were on campus and throw Carson Hobbs into the mix because we know he has great personalities, right? you got to give those recruits on campus a big assist on this one because I think they really made him feel comfortable and those relationships were developed really quickly during that Blue Gold weekend. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is why it's important to have big-time players in your class. This is why it's important to have a big-time quarterback in your class. This is why it's important to have a guy like Cam Williams who lives close by and why it's so important when there are big-time players from your backyard, you have to get them because Cam Williams is everywhere. 
every time there's a big recruiting event, guess who's on campus almost? I think the only exceptions were there was a couple times Cam had like either a basketball game or a seven on seven, something like that. But he's here all the time for all these big events. And and it was important to get that because, as you mentioned, at the end of the day, the relationships with the coaches are important, the, the school fit and all that. But if you don't connect with the guys that you're going to be playing with, the guys you're going to be spending most of your time with, it's going to be hard to get a guy like that. And, and Notre Dame was able to get it done. So fifth commitment in the last two weeks. Obviously, it started with Cole Mullins. Then we saw Isaiah Canyon and Bryce Young and Kennedy Gilbert. And now, uh, now you have Micah Gilbert. So Notre Dame is on a roll on the recruiting trail right now, Ryan, and uh, starting to get some of that momentum back. And they were off to a great start, stalled for a while, partly because of how how fast their start was. And then, of course, you had a lot of you had some coaching turnover. There were a lot of different things that factored into it. And now Notre Dame is back up, uh, back up kind of where you like them to be. And this move actually jumps them up quite a bit in the recruiting rankings now. So getting Micah Gilbert now takes Notre Dame, according to rivals, takes Notre Dame from fifth to third. They have now passed Georgia and LSU. Now, Georgia still has a higher uh, per player average. Georgia only has 11 commits, but Notre Dame is now tied with uh, actually, I, I may have, I have to do my math again on this, Ryan. I, I may, it may actually jump them up even higher, but it definitely passes LSU and it definitely passes um, uh, Georgia and they have the same amount of commits as LSU. So what this, what this means is, is that, you know, he's obviously a guy that uh, um, the, the, the per player average for Notre Dame is better. And he's ranked number 199 by rivals. Correct, Ryan. Yes, so that gives correct. them another 13. So that gives them, I'm just doing the points here real quick for Notre Dame. This is for the people that care about such things. Uh, they're now at 1680 right now. So yes, and it puts them 20 points behind Ohio State and about 91 points behind Michigan. So Notre Dame obviously is, and they're one commitment behind Michigan. So, um, so yeah, so this puts them back on track, obviously from a recruiting ranking standpoint, Ryan, and it allows Notre Dame to, you know, just take another step towards really closing this thing off. Cause I mean, we saw this last year, right? Like Notre Dame was ranked number one for a while and they were really red hot and they were really on fire. And, and then of course they kind of cooled. And what we're seeing now is they're starting to get to the point where they're just, you've, they've got some momentum kind of going through the entire time. They're not just loading up early and then trying to hang on. And right. I think that's a, an important piece of this whole thing as well. Well, and we talk about the importance of that blue gold weekend and the week leading up to that, Brian, like that was obviously a massive recruiting opportunity for Notre Dame and the staff. But I mean, think about it. You mentioned the five guys that have committed over the last, you know, two weeks. I mean, you started off that, that blue gold weekend with Cole Mullins, who was obviously on campus a a couple days prior, but obviously made that public commitment on Twitter the day of the blue gold game. We know during that visit, Bryce Young had silently committed. We know that Micah Gilbert had silently committed. And we know that obviously Isaiah Canyon, that was kind of the last piece of the puzzle. Like we expected that one to not last too much longer leaving that visit. And Kenny Urlacher is the only one. And not if, right? I mean, that's basically what those were. Yeah. Yep. And and Kennedy Urlacher was one that had, he had been on campus the week prior on, on April 15th. So he was not in that conversation as far as, how impactful that blue gold game visit was, but that week leading up to that visit and the weekend of the blue gold game, Notre Dame, just again, you know, just another quick pat on the back to the staff. They really knocked it out of the park in that weekend, man. Like they really turned heads and I know it was only my first time today. <laughs> it was only my first time, but they really did an excellent, excellent job of really sealing the deal with some of their top 
recruits yeah. that were on campus, some of their top targets that were on campus that week, leading up to the weekend and during the weekend. So it was just a tremendous, tremendous momentum build for Notre Dame that week. And as, as Jason in the chat just pointed out, they also got Davion Dixon that week, a 25 kid. They so did. this is, right. they've really gotten six commitments in the last two weeks. If you're going to consider obviously the, the, the 2025 pickup as well. So Notre Dame is definitely hot on the trail. May has gotten off to a great start. April finished well. And then, and, and this is why we always tell you, know, Hey, look, it's a, it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Right. And there's going to be lulls, but uh, Notre Dame is getting some of that momentum back up, Ryan. Let's dive into the class impact of this. Yep. So when you when you talk about where Notre Dame has been, Ryan, for a while, receiving re- receiver recruiting has been weird, uh, to say the least. Right now, Notre Dame is going to go into the, the season with not a single player on the roster who's a receiver from the 2019 or the 2020 recruiting classes. Now, there are guys who were recruited to play receiver on the roster. Cam Hart is still on the roster from 2019. Xavier Watts is still on the roster from 2020. Those guys don't play receiver anymore. Then you had three in 2021. One of those guys just transfers. You only have two. And then you have, obviously, you got one player in the 2022 class who was a very good one in Tobias Merriweather, but still just one. So you're going into the season with, what what am I doing the math correctly here, right, Ryan? Like three guys, four guys that were recruited players, right? So you've got Jaden Thomas, uh, it, it, as far as recruited to play receiver, really only three. You have Deion Colsey, Jaden Thomas, and Tobias Merriweather. That's it. You've got Matt Salerno as a walk-on. And then, of course, you've been able to move some guys. Chris Tyree's moved over. But as far as guys that were just recruited to play receiver, you started to get back on track last year with the great four-man class of a year ago. But the key to successful recruiting, the key to building a championship contender, which is what Marcus Freeman is trying to do, is not having a good class. It's stacking them back to back, so, yeah. right? So Absolutely. Notre Dame has a really good 2021 class. Looks like they have a chance to have a really good 22 class. Had some evaluation misses, I believe. Taking a Morgan Walker, I didn't love that one. But you got a really good player in C.J. Williams and a really good player in Tobias Merriweather. Well, then you lose two of those three guys, and now you're not able to stack again. And then you come out in 2023, you get a great class, and now you're now you're in the process of putting another one together. Cam Williams and and uh, and and Isaiah Canyon both graded out as top 100 players on the IB board, and they also both have five star upside. Micah Gilbert comes in not qu- quite as doesn't grade out quite as I honestly for one reason and one reason only, and that's he doesn't have the speed those guys have, but sure. he definitely stacks up in some of those other areas. But uh, some other skills, Ryan, that obviously give them a third top 150 or better player on our board. He's ranked 199 by 247. He's ranked in the 220s, I believe, by on three. He's a consensus four-star recruit. Uh, I understand why some people have him ranked lower. This isn't a hammering people for. I get it. Some people just, I mean, some of these sites, they're infatuated with the measurables, the speed and all that. My evidence to counter that is I just, I watch college football and I watch the NFL. Yep. And this is one position where it's more of a technically dependent position than necessarily a dynamic skill dependent position. And I think he's very skilled and I think he's, he's very athletic and we'll get into the film. I just don't think he's fast. And I think that's yep. the thing that knocks him. And, and that's what, you know, cause we have an eight point grading system and that's the thing that knocks him. The other thing that knocked him on our grade too, Ryan is, is the intangible grade. He did miss several games last season with a wrist injury. So there's an injury background, the production because of the system he plays in and the injury is not 
you know, he's not on the same level as like Rico Flores and Jaden Greathouse from a production standpoint. That's part of it as well. So those are the factors that keep him from being a top 100 player, Ryan. But there's uh, he's got a four and a half star upside grade because the tools are there. He's just got to put it all together. So now you also have that. But here's the other part, Ryan. And this is the big one. And I'm going to kick it over to you so you can kind of dive into this. It's not just about landing three really good receivers. That's great. You want to land three really good receivers. But if they don't play well together, then you don't have it. It's imagine having a basketball team. You know, your NBA team, you go out there and you have the first five picks of the draft and you draft a center at number one, a center at number two, a center at number three, a center at number four, and a center at number five. You're going to have five very talented players. You're not going to have a basketball team that you can go win with, right? Because you have all the same dude and you in receivers like that as well. You can't just have three cookie cutters. At least you, you don't want to have three cookie cutters. These three kids all complement each other very, very nicely. And that's a big piece of this class impact for Michael Gilbert. Well, and, and I think that that's been a trend that we've seen over Chancey Stuckey in his first two cycles so far is that they fit together, right? I mean, you talk about how Jaden Greathouse, Braylon James, Rico Flores, and Caleb Smith can fit together. Like Rico and Jaden Greathouse have somewhat similar-ish type of skill sets. But, I mean, all together, man, that's just completely different skill sets. And I think that's what you see in this class. And, yeah, I mean, we can hyper-focus on the lack of speed for Michael Gilbert. But I would tell Notre Dame fans, if you watch the Blue-Gold game, the slowest receiver in the 2023 class that Notre Dame signed was Jaden Greathouse, who hold in 11 catches for 118 yards, right? There was a lot more that goes into playing the wide receiver of the position than flat-out straight-line speed. And that's what Micah Gilbert brings to the table, and we'll talk about that on film. But I think when you look at what how they fit together, you now have Isaiah Canning, who's that outside burner, vertically-oriented outside receiver, who has some upside as a route runner as well. But at worst, you're looking at a guy that say, you are 6'3", you're going to run in the 4'4s when it's all said and done it, your Notre Dame career. You can challenge any cornerback vertically because you are either going to be faster than them or you're going to be bigger than them. You're going to, there's going to be, or sometimes you're going to be both. <laughs> and you combine that with Cam Williams, who's also got good straight line speed, but Cam is more of the also more refined player. Took a big step as a junior, understands how to run routes, how, understands how to win after the catch. He's just kind of a different animal than what Isaiah Canyon is, just stylistically. But then you throw on Micah Gilbert, who – I would say has a little bit of that Jane Greathouse vibe to him, right? Like you could throw him into the boundary and tell him win with size, contested catch, back shoulders, ability to run routes. But then you also look at him and say, you can be an inside receiver. You could be a big slot, a guy that could run routes, be physical, work through contact. And he's a little bit of a tougher guy to stop after the catch than what you yeah. maybe anticipate initially. So I think that they fit together perfectly, man, because none yeah. of these three – have the same skill set. They all have a different layer to their game that is incredibly unique and incredibly independent to how they fit in the next level. And, and Ryan, none of them are, are locked into one spot, right? They can all play two, at least two. I think I think Canyon and Cam could play all three, but I, I like I like Cam a little bit more to the two field spots. I like, I mean, excuse me, Cam Williams to the two field spots. I like Canyon to both outside spots, and I like Gilbert to boundary slot. And if I was going to compare him to a current Notre Dame receiver, I'd, I'd probably compare him a little bit closer to Jaden Thomas. He just has a little bit better uh, outside ability, I think, than Jalen had. A little bit better, you know, winning in the contested point, route running, a little bit more foot quickness than Jaden Thomas has. But 
he's he he has brings a lot of the same attributes that Jaden Thomas brings to the table. And and so to your point, Ryan, there there are three guys that have a lot of similarities, but also some very important differences that allow. Because the other thing too is sometimes, Ryan, you can get too diverse with your receiving core. You're right. Yeah. You can go the, to the other extreme, and you're like, okay, these guys are very different, but they don't fit into the offense. Notre Dame is a pro style pass game, which means you need guys that can can work down the field. You're not going to be Clemson 2018 where you're basically bubbles, quicks, and bombs. I mean, that's that's what I mean, right? I mean, is that that's basically what Clemson was back then in, in that yeah. offense. It was bubbles, quicks, and bombs. I mean, that was that was their offense. This is going to be more of a, a there's going to be layers and and floods and like, you know, they call it sale concept. Sale concept is basically a backside flood route. I mean, that's basically what sale is. You're accomplishing the same thing. It's layers. It's horizontal stretches. It's vertical stretches. It's clearing out zones to bring another guy in. It's it's taking your shots. It's, it's, it's you know, players are important, but it's got to be more scheme oriented a little bit, a little bit more vertically oriented. And so you're, 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 the one thing I do like that they're doing is they're bringing in unique skill sets, even though they're not bringing in a lot of different body types. And I think that's important. And what we saw too much in the past was just the same skill set over and over and over again. And then some people started to counter, well, you need this body different. I don't care about different body types. I care about different skill sets. Yes. And I think it's important to bring in different skill sets. And so you're bringing a player in Micah Gilbert, who I think is more of a, a volume type of pass catcher. I, I think that somebody, I, I think it was him. We were talking about him a week ago and somebody in the chat said this, that he reminded him of a bigger CJ Williams. And I think that's, I mean, as far as how he plays, but you're you're correct. This is like a 20-pound, heavier, stronger, more physical version, but he plays the game a lot like C.J. Williams played the game, which is quite a compliment because, as you know, I was very high on C.J. Williams coming out of high school. So this is a very important pickup for Notre Dame when you, when you talk about fitting the class together, Ryan. And so now three was the minimum need the staff had. They've now met that need. They're now where they need to be with that need. Now the question is going to be, do you take a fourth or not? Yep. And I think that's going to be the question. If I had to predict right now, I would say yes, but it's not a given. There's a lot that goes into it, and, and it's not something that just the receiver's coach can decide. It's something as a staff you have to decide, and the head coach has got to say, okay, yes, you have you can go over your number in this class. So uh, I, I think that that's, uh, that's kind of what the next decision is going to be. But this is shaping up, Ryan, just as a whole already they got to finish strong but they're on the verge of an out a, a second straight outstanding outstanding recruiting class and micah gilbert's a big part of that and so i want you to speak on that ryan but here's the other thing you mentioned a little bit there's a few areas that we said notre dame has got to do a better job of getting into they have to do a better job of getting into and one of them was the carolinas like the virginia and the carolinas getting a third player out of there that is a a non-offensive lineman is important. You got two last year, but they were both offensive linemen. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's like, it's okay. But can you get different types? They've now got a defensive end, a tight end, and a receiver out of North Carolina, which is very, very important for this for the staff moving forward. Well, well, the thing I love about the three guys that they've committed in 2024 in Cam Williams, Isaiah Cannon, and Micah Gilbert is, you're right, Brian, they do have diverse skill sets. They're different types of players, but the one thing they all have in common is they're very inviting targets, right? I mean, we're talking about everyone. The shortest guy in that group is Cam Williams, who's six one and a half. Like, he's still a pretty tall kid. He's got length to him as well. I mean, Mike is 6'2". He's 6'2", six, six yeah. 
Yeah, he's six two with long arms. You talk about Isaiah Cannon, six three plus with long arms, like very inviting targets that I think are going to fit together really well. I'll tell you what's going to be one of the more fun conversations that we're going to have is whether they get whether whether they stay at three or they go to four. When we're talking about national after national signing day, talking about the two year kind of combination of wide receivers, man, if we stack all the class together, the four from twenty twenty three and the four and the three from twenty twenty four, or possibly four in twenty twenty four. We're talking about like really nitpicking to try to order those guys mm-hmm. as far as like who's the best ones, who's a little bit further down the board. Like that's going to be a fascinating conversation to have because Chancey Stuckey has not only gotten numbers now the last two years and he needed to get numbers, he's also got just really good football players, yeah. man, just across the board. So again, shout out to Coach Stuckey. Impact talent. Job. Yeah. Yes. And he was one of the biggest question marks of Marcus Freeman's hires. I mean, we sat there. I was a I was a big into the Jacoby Shepard. Uh, category because he was a known commodity with Chancey Stuckey. He was like, look, I'm willing to give him a chance to see what he can do, but this is risky business. Guy had been a, a football coach for basically a year, yes. you know, and, and hadn't signed a full recruiting class Had coached one year at Baylor an offense that where you could see the job he did was good, but it was like it was a run-oriented offense. How's he going to really do? I think yeah. he did a good job coaching the first year, and he's done a, he's done a good, a really good job recruiting. And, and here's the thing, Ryan, like this class was important for him to show that he could finish he could finish here as well. Because and, and the reason I say that is is I think he was able to use the the coming to Notre Dame momentum to help him. I think he'd been able to establish a really good relationship with like Braylon James and Jaden Greathouse and some of those guys while at Baylor. And then it's the whole, ooh, you got the raise, you're going to Notre Dame, you're going to the big time. And he was kind of able to use that to springboard it. This was an example where he had to say, okay, I'm I'm now at Notre Dame. I now got to build these relationships from relationships from scratch at Notre Dame. Our offense was a hot mess last year when it came to throwing the football. I don't have a lot of film I can show these kids say, hey, look what we're going to do, right? In his two years as a position coach, he hasn't exactly played on offenses that are like light the world on fire. Uh, let's be honest about that. For him to be able to come out this second year and just build on what he did last year without a lot of help from the things that only help, you know, high octane offense, which I think hurt him with Ryan Wingo. I mean, let people say, what happened with Ryan Wingo? It's that right there. Ryan Wingo wants yeah. to go somewhere and he's said it publicly that can develop him for the next level. Well, what does Notre Dame have to show for that in recent seasons? An elite receiver like Kevin Austin going undrafted, you play in an offense that doesn't really throw the ball incredibly well and, and, and effectively. And Chancey Stuckey's been able to go out there and still land big time players. And he did it last year with no quarterback in the class. This year, the one thing they do have as help this year is having C.J. Carr, and that can't be dismissed either. So love the job that Chancey Stuckey's doing, but it's a lot easier. Well, I should say a lot easier. It's certainly easier, and it's at least helpful. Right. See, easier yep. takes away from the job he's done. It's helpful. I'll say that. It's helpful when you have a guy like C.J. Carr in the class. There's no doubt about it. Oh, no doubt. And I, I mean, to speak to the North Carolina layer of it, right, Brian? I mean, we talked about 2023 – you get Sullivan Absher, who was a nice get for them, obviously. You find Sam Pendleton, and you get a nice nice get, obviously, in Sam Pendleton out of the state of North Carolina. This year, it was a different approach, right? Like when I just talked about two offensive linemen, two of those you know, hog mollies up front, right? Now we're talking about impact athletes out of the state of North Carolina in this cycle. You're talking about a wide receiver in Micah Gilbert, who is a top 200-rated player by rivals, top 150 by Irish Breakdown. Then you talked about Jack Larson, who was a tight end that Notre Dame identified very early on, working back to the Irish invasion. And he was a guy, obviously, that Notre Dame wanted a lot. So you got two pass catchers, one at wide receiver, and one at tight end. 
And then you got Bryce Young, who, although is a legacy with his dad being Brian Young, you still had to win that one, right? Because there are a lot of programs going after Bryce because they see a lot of what you've been talking about for a long time now. You see 6'5", 245 plus pounds, long arms, athletic, growing into his body. We have not seen the best version of Bryce Young as far as playing the defensive end position. And that's exciting. A lot of teams got excited this offseason. We've seen countless offers. We've seen a lot of visits taken. Bryce Young was not a foregone conclusion to Notre Dame, despite of who his dad was. So getting those three players well, out of the state of North Carolina. Perfect example, huge. Ryan. Perfect example. Yep. Emmett Mosley. Right? Yep. Notre Dame recruited Emmett Mosley. They liked Emmett Mosley, but it just was one of those things where Emmett Mosley seems to just want to kind of blaze his own trail. And I have no problem with that. I mean, it's your life, right? It's not your dad's life, right? It's 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 your life. And if that's what he wants to do, then that's what he wants to do. So as you said, it's it's helpful to have your dad there, but you gotta go close, you gotta sure. go close it out and 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 you know convince him that hey, you can come here and still blaze your own trail, right? We're not recruiting you because right. you're Bryant Young's dad. We're not recruiting kid, we're not recruiting you because you're Jim Flanagan's kid. We're recruiting you because you can help us go win a championship. And I think that's important. And obviously you get another another young man with a very impressive pedigree. And and that stuff, I mean, that stuff's not the end all be all, right? Like, I mean, anyone that But it matters. You know, it matters. I mean, look though. at Michael yeah. Jordan's kids, right? They weren't great basketball players, right? Jeffrey but, Jordan. Jeffrey yeah. Jordan. <laughs> I mean, but the reality and that's no shot at them. It just it just doesn't mean that, you know, just because your parent was cool. a great athlete, John Elway's kid was nothing like John Elway was as a quarterback, you know, Jerry Rice uh, Jr. Remember Jerry Rice Jr. Right, former UCLA right, wide receiver. Right. Like, yeah, it happens. Now, Brendan Rice is a little bit, a you know, right. Yeah. But when you, when you see the athletic tools here and then you see the DNA, uh, uncles, cousins, older brother, dad was a basketball player. You start to see some stuff that you really like. And, and, and kudos to coach, coach Stucky for getting it done. We're going to we're going to dive into the film here in, in a second here, Ryan. But I, I also want to kind of point out that uh, it, it does deserve mention again when you're able to to do what they've done without an offense to really show people like, hey, this is what we can do here at Notre Dame. It, you start sure. getting a little bit excited. If this offense can go out and do what we hope it's going to do this year, you start wondering what's receiver recruiting going to look like then. It's going to get really fascinating, you know. And I do well, think it's important. Talk, Go ahead, Ryan. I was just going to say, talk about the impact again of just one visit too, Brian. Like that, I mean, it's just fascinating to me when you talk about the Mike Gilbert recruitment because literally, usually, usually visits turn intrigue into interest. Like that's kind of how it usually trends, right? It turned intrigue into a commitment to one weekend at the University of Notre Dame. I mean, again, I, I just it's pretty crazy how quickly this one happens and how quickly. Notre Dame was really able to close on a guy like a Mikey Gilbert. Because to your point, is a North Carolina kid. We know he was being courted by a lot of the Midwest powers. You know, some SEC schools were thrown in there. All the ACC programs were in that conversation as well. And getting a kid like this with – and that pedigree is attractive because you say brother went to Duke. Uncle was a first-round NFL draft pick. Cousin is an NFL – a future NFL Hall of Famer. Literally just got – is getting inducted into the next class – like, this was a kid that Notre Dame identified, and the cards were stacked against them for a little bit. But just getting him on campus, being resilient, being persistent, they were able to close this deal out, which I just think is 
just such a testament to the grinders that Notre Dame has on the recruiting staff and on the coaching staff, man. Like this was one where they had to grind and they were able to come out on top, obviously, from Micah. I want to dive into the film next, Ryan, and we're going to kind of show what what we like so much about this young man. And when you dive into the film room, there's two things y'all are going to see immediately from watching this film. Number one, as good this, we've said this before, we said this about him when we didn't think Notre Dame was going to get him. This kid's got as good of hands and good of ball skills as anybody in the country. And number two, this kid is strong. So let's dive yeah. into the film here, Ryan. And you're going to see it from the first play of the game. <laughs> He's going to go up in traffic and just make a really tough contested catch. His ability to track the ball down the field with guys draped over him, you see it time and time again, is really, really impressive. The other and thing you see in contact is insane too, right. man. Like it's really impressive. This is the thing I want to point out too. There's a difference between being everybody. A lot of people assume that because you're fast, you're athletic, or because you're not fast, that you're not athletic. This is a perfect example of this route shows a lot of what I like about him athletically clean transitions really good balance really smooth athlete great look how easily he's able to flip back and get this ball this is not it's not that it's a hard route ryan but it's not a route that's going to look this clean if you're not if you're not athletic really good route and you see him do this a couple times but also you see almost everything he does ryan he catches the ball away from his body he is without question a hands pass catcher which is something i absolutely absolutely love I mean, I think I, th- I mean, Brian, he might have of any of the play of the wide receivers I've watched in this class, and obviously they're mostly guys that are on Notre Dame's board at this point. Mm-hmm. This kid might have the best hands of anybody I've seen in the 2024 class. Like at least he's in the conversation. Yeah. He's one of those guys that plucks consistently away from his body, which is yeah. just a testament to his concentration and his confidence to be able to do that as well. I've probably watched about 40 or 50 of the top receivers in the country, and he's in the top three. I mean, he's in that conversation just as far as pass, like just pure catching the football, hand strength. And what does that mean? Here's what you'll see from Micah. This is another good route, though, Ryan. He's very quick and efficient getting in and out of his breaks. Look at this. Finds that soft spot in another contested catch. And not contested because he doesn't separate. Contested because the quarterback says, I know he's triple covered right here, but I I know he's going to make that catch and he's going to go up and make the play for it. Really impressive catch. But – the thing you'll you, you like, Ryan, what is what does being a great pass catcher mean? Strong hands, obviously. He's yep. he's we talk about catch radius. This is a sloppy route. You want to see him sink his hips down in the ground. He gets out of it pretty quick, you know, a little bit choppy. This is not really a highlight to me. He what I do like though, Ryan, is he sells the go route out of that cut pretty well. It's got that corner spin. But I need to see him put those feet in the, you know, hip put those hips down and and catch this ball. But we talk about catch radius a lot. He's got very long arms. Look at that right there. You can see it on this clip. He's got very long arms, which means he's 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 a quarterback's like it. He's got a big catch radius. Catch radius means essentially how far out of your body out because this is your this is your kind of your 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 sweet spot right here, right? How far outside of your sweet spot are you able to catch the football? And that's what your catch radius is, and that's why arm length and leaping ability and those type of things are, are important for a wide receiver at this point yeah, in time. You, you, you'll hear me phrase it as playing outside of your frame, and that's all mm-hmm. long arms do. They allow you to mm-hmm. play – to extend and be able to play out of your comfort zone to a degree, if, if that makes sense to people. Yeah, no, it and does. Think, and that's basically yeah. – it's getting out – It's getting out. like, again, it's getting outside of the sweet spot, right? Anyone can catch a ball. If, if you can't catch a ball in here, you, you don't deserve to be on scholarship, right? Seriously. Yeah, but how often can you make can that is a lot of times this is not where the ball should go. 
in that in that catching zone. It's not where the ball should go, Ryan. Yep. Here you see a clip of him making. He's had a couple of them here, but you talked about how he's he's not he's pretty good after the catch because he's quick, but he's he also is. strong. That's the other thing that makes him good after the catch. Yeah, he. I think he's one. I think he's a very underrated player after the catch because it's it's not like it's not the way that you draw it up for people to say like a guy's great after the catch. Like they think of like those slot types that make guys miss in space with their quickness. But then there's the Maurice Stovall type of players where it's like you throw him a now screen, he's going to be able to fight through contact and break some tackles and do that type of of, of dirty work, I guess to a degree, right? And I think that's what Mike brings is that. It's never going to be flashy what he does after after the catch, but he always is a player that is going to fight for extra yardage, which I think mm-hmm. matters ex- extensively. Yeah. So the other thing that people have asked, well, how about the level of competition? So this is Providence Day right here. Providence Day is the home of Jaden Thomas, who's a five-star quarterback. Uh, well, uh, he's ranked as a five-star quarterback. Uh, it, he's It's also the home of David Sanders, who is a five. I mean, I would argue Ryan is the best offensive lineman in high school football, regardless of class. He's in the conversation. And uh, it, they put out a lot of Division One players. So this league, when we talk about how much better the Carolinas have gotten when it comes to putting out college football players, this league is a primary beneficiary of that. It's this it's this area in Charlotte where there's a lot of these really good private schools, Charlotte Catholic, where Jack Larson goes, Charlotte Christian, where these guys go Providence day. They put out a ton of, a ton of talent from year to year. And I think those are, those are, um, those are obviously important aspects of it. Great. Look, this is an example of that, of that, what you're talking about, Ryan, that catch radius right here. Look how quickly he, I mean, he just goes up and snatches the ball out of the air. Like it's nothing. This is a really impressive rep and great ball placement by the quarterback. It was a really good ball. He's one, and he's one of those kids that just is he's never covered. I mean, that's that's the great thing of having these guys that have incredible size and the long arms and the guys that can play through contact well is that no matter what, on the back shoulder, you're always going to be open because as long as a quarterback puts it in a good spot, you're gonna have an opportunity to to you're gonna have an opportunity to make a play. We, we've talked about the size. We've talked about the physicality. I think you guys are seeing here that the, the pass catching skills are, are really good. I don't know if all of the stuff he does after the catch translates, but stuff like this right here, this will translate. It's catching. And it also shows that he's not slow. This is a clip that shows he's not slow. He's just not a burner. He's not the guy that's going to win with speed on the next level. But this is also a kid that that, as you can see, has some some ability to run. He has some ability to when he gets in space, he can run. So I think when we talk about uh, when we talk about speed for for pass catchers, right? There's this is not a kid running a four eight. Okay, this is a kid that's a, in the four six range right now. It's going to get faster, but he's quick. But four six is still moving. I mean, there's there's four sixes in the NFL who are really good football players. I think Cooper Cup was in the four six range. It's really about what, okay, so if you're not going to be a burner, what do you need? You need you need quick feet. You need to be agile. You need to have loose hips. You need to be a guy with great balance. And he's got all those things. Look at this concentration here on this deep ball. This is just a great, great job staying in bounds. Great job of getting the ball, just getting over to it and, and, and uh, just making a play. Here's a really nice stutter move. He knows he's got a win inside. This is a smart play too because this corner is playing him slightly outside. And so he st- he he stems the guy up. He tries to get the guy bite inside. He steps he steps it inside, sells it, and then that gives him the separation he needs to get to outside and make this play. 
It's a really good technical route as well. So you're seeing a guy that's a really strong athlete, great frame, and smart. I mean, that's the thing, too, is he's an instinctive player. Look at this strength and physicality right there. That's a really, really, really good football player here. Physical kid. You know, he when he wants to be, if you if you um if you look at it, he's a guy that when he wants to be in some of the game film, he can block well. He's just not a guy that does it all the time, and it's something he'll get better at. And that's something that I want to see from him is a guy that this is a really nice play right here. I want to see a guy to me that is a really dominant blocker all the time. And this is what we're talking about that instincts we're talking about. When when he gets to that point, I'm going to really like his blocking ability. But the potential is there for him to be an impact blocker. I really like the speed here, shows too. Look at this burst to run away from these guys. It's a really impressive round right there. So as you see, this is a kid that's got a lot of ability, a lot of ability. So I, I like what I see. I like what I see from Micah Gilbert. You guys are seeing, I think, what you what I liked about him. You're seeing great ball skills, great hands, good route runner, smart, instinctive player. Ryan missed the pick six. Remember the pick six play I had on the highlight clips, Ryan? So we just got yeah. done with that. Uh, this is a strong, this is a strong all-around player. And and I think you all see how much he compliments a lot of his catches he makes. He'll make some deep ball catches, but it's a lot of stops and comebacks, in cuts. Uh, you know, under routes, Ryan, that's all boundary receiver stuff. Yeah, it's all boundary receiver stuff. And so I think that's where I kind of like that, that uh, potential fit of him playing into the boundary is because it's that possession receiver type of stuff that Notre Dame needs more of into the boundary. And as we look at the position, there aren't a lot of pure boundaries on the roster right now. And and really the only, the only pure boundary that I think Notre Dame has is going to be a senior. Actually, no, he'll be a, yeah, he'll be a senior when these when this class shows up for their freshman year, right? And that's Deion Colsey. Now, Braylon James can play it. Jaden Greathouse can play it. Jaden Thomas can play it. But none of them are where I would say that's their number one position, no questions asked. I think with Micah Gilbert, you have that. And I also think Isaiah Canyon could be that guy as well, depending on which direction they want to go. So I think it was important for them in this class, Ryan, to get some guys that couldn't play the boundary position at a high level. And I think they've got three guys that can play it. I think Cam Williams can play the boundary. I do. I think Cam can play the boundary. I just don't know if that's the first place I'd put him. It's probably the third of the three where I'd put him. I like him better at X is my number one. I, I love Cam outside at X where he can just stretch the field, man, you know, work and get in space. I like Cam in the slot. Canyon, I, I could see here. Like, I could see this, Ryan. Cam Williams at X and Canyon in the boundary and Micah Gilbert in the slot. I could see that and love that. And you've got the two outside vertical guys, and then you've got the catch 75 ball slot. I could also see a situation where you've got Canyon outside, Cam Williams in the slot, and then Micah Gilbert in the boundary. And you've got your physical kid over here, and then you've got two speed guys to the field. Either way you slice it, that's some impact pass catchers that you're putting on the field together in this, and just in this one class. We haven't got into how they're going to fit with Braylon James and Rico Flores and Jaden Greathouse and Caleb Smith. And that's where you start to get a little bit excited. Really starting to get really excited. I mean, if you're talking about recruiting the quarterback position in 25 and beyond, Chancey Stuckey's making it a lot easier for Gino Gadulli to get out in the recruiting trail and go get some guys. Well, and you see, I mean, you already talked about the impact of having CJ Carr in the class. And I know probably the guy that's most happy about this haul is CJ, right? And having Cam and having Isaiah, having 
Jack Larson, having Aeneas Williams as a pass-catching running back potentially, obviously, in the passing game as well, and then having now a player like a Mike Gilbert. You want to you make a quarterback feel solidified in the class? You want to start having those questions about how locked in C.J. Carr is? Well, keep putting great pass catchers around, and then that, that's going to be an easy conversation to have. T.J. Carr was never going anywhere, Ryan. But to yeah, your point, and, and you know that, but to your point, do you want to one way to make sure that he doesn't have any desire to go anywhere else? Make it to where it's why would you go anywhere anywhere else where you're not going to have the combination of skill talent at running back, skill talent receiver, and skill talent in the, in the talent and offensive line? Where else are you going to find that? And that's why it's so important where a quarterback helps you recruit skill players, but then loading up on skill players helps you recruit quarterbacks. It's really a circular thing. And Notre Dame is, is finally starting to find that sweet spot. And it just goes to show if you've hired the right people, you can recruit those positions. You can recruit running back at a high level if you hire the right people. If you hire the right people, you can recruit receivers as well as anybody in the country. Think about this. Chancey Stuckey is recruiting the receiver position off of one season at Notre Dame in which they went out and beat Clemson by 21 points and threw for 86 yards. And he's still able to turn that into Braylon James, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, and those kids never wavered. Never wavered. Get Caleb Smith last. Then you get Cam Williams. Then you get Isaiah Canyon. Now you get Micah Gilbert. And he's doing that off of the past game that we saw last year. <laughs> That's an impressive thing, Ryan. It starts getting you pretty fired up. Yeah, it does, man. It does. I mean, just to think back to where we were just this time last spring, right? Talking about four healthy pass catchers that were scholarship players to see what the where wide receiver position was left after the previous staff and to now just a year later having – the four wide receivers in the 2023 class to have now three wide receivers in the 2024 class with the potential to maybe taking a fourth, the health and the just the future of the wide receiver position has just changed so drastically since coach Stucky got here. So Ryan, let's talk a little bit about what's next. I think right now the question for Notre Dame is where do you go next? What are you, what are you going to do next? And here's the decision that the Notre Dame staff has to make. Do they go out and say, okay, we're going to bring in one more and go back-to-back years with four? Or do they say, we're going to we're going to use this scholarship somewhere else? We're going to stay at three. We're going to use it at an, as an extra running back, which becomes a lot more important now. Maybe a second tight end. Do you get into the decision of, okay, who do we want to add? Do we want to do a Jason Robinson Jr. or do we want to do a Carter Nelson or a, you know somebody else? Uh, do we want to do a fourth receiver or do we want to do a sixth defensive lineman, a third corner, a fourth safety? These are these are all the things that kind of go into it, right? It's not just about we want a fourth receiver or not. It's not just about can you fit this year's class with last year's class with back-to-back years of four. That can get a little bit challenging if you want to keep all eight of those guys around. It can It can get a little bit difficult. It's hard to split up reps for eight guys in two years. But it's also about all the other positions. So that's that remains to be seen which direction they're going to go. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know if Notre Dame knows the answer to that question. If they are going to take another receiver right now, that choice is obvious. Yes. And it's Jason Robinson Jr. And so yep. we're going to find out here, I, I would imagine, very soon if Notre Dame's going to continue to go all in on Jason or if they're going to decide to back off. As of right now, I would expect them to continue going all in on Jason. And he's going to take his officials in June, I believe, correct, and then decide yes. after the officials. So you have some time 
to to see how this all shakes out, which also gives you time, Ryan, to see where do we stand with that sixth defensive lineman or that fourth safety or because you, you what you don't want to do is, well, we're going to take a fourth safety and so we're going to pass on receiver and then you get down to it and the fourth safety would be someone who's not in the same ballpark as a player as Jason Robinson Jr. And you can't do that either. So it's the point is it's not as easy as we sit as we kind of sit here in a show and oh you know just take four take them all and work it out like n- no it, it's not that simple and it takes a lot of, it, it there is some strategy to it so it's going to be an interesting decision but Ryan there's no doubt if they go for another receiver who that guy's going to be yeah and if, if you're on the message board at boards.com you know that today uh, yesterday they were out to see Jason Robinson Coach Sucky was and able to you know get to see him firsthand and, you know, talk to everybody there, right? Teachers and the whole gamut just to, you know, continue to evaluate everything and to continue to push for a player like him, if that is what you choose to do. So he's also a player that we talk about fitting everyone together. Jason Robinson is a much different football player than the other three wide receivers that are committed in the class for Notre Dame right now. So he would bring a completely different dynamic, a completely different size profile, a completely different play style to what the three wide receivers that Notre Dame has in this class right now. And I really think that it would be an interesting mix of styles. But again, will the numbers make sense at the end of the day? That's the question. But Jason Robinson is certainly an incredibly talented football player who we know that the Notre Dame staff is very high on. So if they yeah. can make it work, I'm sure that they will do their best to make that work if they can. I, I want to talk a little bit too, Ryan, as we as we wrap up. The, the Charlotte area has really um, been good to Notre Dame, and, and we don't talk a ton about it. Obviously, there's been some guys from the area that, that, that obviously recently that they got that they're getting in this class. But Charlotte's been in a very a, a very intriguing area for Notre Dame for a number of years, going all the way back to Romeo Guara. Romeo Guara was was from the Charlotte area. They went to Ardrey Kell in Charlotte, and obviously, so that means Julian Guara was from Charlotte. But they also got a guy in the past from from Charlotte Christian, which is where Micah Gilbert's from. That's Matthias Farley. Matthias Farley was a standout two way player at, at, to Charlotte Christian as well. He went on to have a pretty good career at Notre Dame and was a starter for a season or two in the NFL with the Indianapolis Colts. And so the Charlotte area has, has been good to Notre Dame for a little bit. Uh, obviously, they've had some other guys from North Carolina that have turned out to be um, to be good good football players that are, that are from – I wouldn't say from – those guys that we all just mentioned are like from Charlotte. Yeah. Robert Blant was from a, high, from a city like right outside of Charlotte, like 20, 30 minutes right outside of Charlotte. So you're definitely seeing this as an area that's been good to Notre Dame. Now you're talking about having five kids from this area or from North Carolina in two years. You start to say, okay, this is now becoming the base region that Notre Dame needs it to make. And and I'm going to say this, Ryan. I don't think Notre Dame's dominance of the ACC the last five years is a complete coincidence when you look at the Notre Dame's ability to come into Virginia and North Carolina and be able to start attracting more and more players. I don't think it's a coincidence. These kids have seen Notre Dame come down into their region and whoop the teams in their region in the ACC. I think that's something that certainly helped Notre Dame be more and more impactful recruiting this East Coast region, which, in my opinion, since you're not going to make a living in Florida, you're not going to take six kids out of Ohio every year. You're going to get some kids out of Georgia, but you can't just rely on Georgia. You can't just rely on Texas. You can't just rely on California. You got to tap into all those regions, and the Carolinas is a really key one for Notre Dame. And so I think it's uh, it's really important for that regard. But I do think 
that the dominance they've had in the ACC in recent years has certainly played a, a bit. I mean, when was the last time Notre Dame lost a regular season game to, to a team in the ACC? I, I think we have to go back to 2017, I believe, right? Miami back in 2017. Yeah. 2018, they didn't lose a regular season game. 19, they didn't lose to an ACC team. 20, they the only loss they had that year, you could say Clemson in the ACC title game, but then they beat them in the regular season. 21, they didn't lose in the regular season to an ACC team. And last year, they didn't lose to an ACC team. So it's been a long time, and they play minimum four every year. <laughs> so I certainly think it's not a coincidence to see Notre Dame having success in Virginia, North Carolina, when you look at that. Well, and I think when you're talking about North Carolina and Virginia – it's similar to how I feel about the St. Louis, you know, Missouri conversation too, Brian. There's no major power in the states, right? It's like North Carolina is a, a good school. They play good football. NC State's a good school. They play good football. But if Notre Dame is in a battle with the North Carolina's NC States of the world, they should win that matchup nine out of ten times if we're talking about for North Carolina kids. They should. Virginia right now, University of Virginia is reeling. Virginia Tech is not playing very good football, obviously with the Brent Pry era getting kicked off here. So – that those couple states are teams that don't have a power in it. And yeah. I think that you're, we're talking about the Charlotte area. We're talking about Charlotte Catholic and Charlotte Christian. Like, obviously, there's some Catholic schools, some Christian schools that should be pro Notre Dame in that sense, as far as being attractive and being able to develop those kids and to show them, you know, the, the trajectory to potentially a Notre Dame. So there's a lot of things I think really go into their favor in that area. So Ryan, we've kind of talked about what's next. We've we've wrapped up this class. I do want to go to the mailbag next, but uh, again, just kind of to put a bow a little bit on this one. This is this is why I'll say this: this is a recruitment that I don't think happens without this current staff being on campus. And 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 I'm not even talking about one guy's a good recruiter, one guy's not. But here's the reality of it: one of the biggest complaints that we had about the previous staff is if they weren't if they couldn't get traction for a kid for a while, they just would quit and move on to somebody else. Notre Dame had to chase Micah Gilbert for a while. They had to pursue him for a while. It took a while for him to come around to them the way that they were already on him. They've been on him for a while. They've liked him for a long time based on game film, based on uh, seven, I mean, on, on camp film, different things that they've seen. He's been a guy that they really liked for a while, but he didn't like them as it's not that he didn't like him. It just, he was more focused on, the school's close by and do I really want to go all the way up to, you know, Indiana and all that kind of stuff, but you stay on it, right? If you like a guy enough, you stay on it. And so I think that two things helped that number one is you did sign four last year. So you didn't need to rush and panic because you needed numbers. You needed to get four or five more again this year, but it also shows that this is what a good recruiting staff is. So they they never put all their eggs in this basket. They kept recruiting other guys and offering other guys, but they liked him. And even when they got interest from other players, they liked what Micah brought to the table, so they stayed on it. I think that perseverance, that persistence from this staff is important, and it's why you're seeing them. It's one of the several reasons why this staff is more successful because they don't give up because two, three months, and hey – this kid's all about a playoff team, a team in Michigan that's gone to the playoff the last two years. Michigan's red hot. Michigan just got a five-star cornerback from a quarterback from this kid's city, right? He played against Jaden Davis twice last year, beat him in the regular season, lost in the championship game. That's why Michigan was considered a major player, Ron Bellamy's relationship and the fact that they just got a five-star quarterback from his city. Notre Dame had all the reasons in the world to say, ah, We'll just focus on other guys. It's not worth the time and investment, but they didn't. 
They stuck with it. And huge kudos to the staff for being that way. And that's why they've won a lot of the battles that they've won, Ryan. The minute Isaiah Canyon went on a visit to Georgia, the previous staff would just, ah, we're not going to get him, move on, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and not gone after him. And now you've beaten Michigan for two receivers that they flat out wanted big time, big time in this class. They wanted Cam Williams, big time. Notre Dame beat him. And they wanted this kid. Both of them coming into their visits were trending to Notre Dame. If you remember, last year coming into Irish Invasion, Michigan was considered the team to beat for Cam Williams. And Notre Dame got him. Same thing here coming into the Notre Dame visit. Michigan was considered the team to beat. And Notre Dame got them. So uh, that's not easy work when you consider the fact that Michigan's made the playoff for two years in a row. So huge props to Notre Dame staff for um, being willing to fight and not back down and and being persistent. Because if they're not, Ryan, this one doesn't happen. Well, I think that that's one thing that most great recruiting staffs have in common, Brian, is that they don't back down from the fights, right? I mean, that's like the biggest Mm -hmm. thing is – Alabama's not going to get every single recruit out there. Georgia's not going to get every single recruit. But you know what they don't say when Alabama, when the other comes after a recruit? They don't say, oh, okay, you can have them. Like, they they fight for it, man. They fight to the very ends. And I think that for Notre Dame to be a next-level, high-caliber recruiting team that they have now become under Marcus Freeman, they can't be afraid to have those fights and be afraid to back down. Like, even – guys that they missed on like DeMello Jones, for instance, that is a Georgia commit now. Like they didn't back down from Georgia in that instance. It's just that DeMello likes Georgia a little bit more. Like that's just kind of where the conversation goes for me. So you can't back down because I think that for every recruiting class that is superior or high level on the college level, it's all about that competitive spirit. And that's one thing that I think Marcus Freeman has really breathed into this coaching staff, into this recruiting staff is that like, we're not going to back down. Like those kids we really like, we're going to fight until they tell us to stop calling them. Like that's kind of where mm-hmm. we are with it. And that's something that I think is consistent about great co- recruiting staffs across the country. So Ryan, that's going to do it for this portion of the show. We're going to do a mailbag up next. We've got some questions about Micah Gilbert, about a lot of recruiting questions as, as that are kind of coming in. So we're going to go to those next. So don't go anywhere but before we go, Ryan, we need everybody to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. Give us. We would greatly appreciate a five star review if you're uh, if you're listening to your podcast app. And if you have not done so, sign up for the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.